Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, as usual. I want to thank you for joining. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and joining me today. Our first uh, partner joining today, Christian Smith from Igneous Systems. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Thanks. Love to be here. Yeah, no, great great that you were able to make it while you are in town. I think you're the, the VP of Product Management at Igneous. Um, prior to that, and we'll get into what you guys do in a moment, uh, prior to that, what what's your experience in the industry? Sure. So I've been in storage for, I guess, quite a while. I mean, it goes back prior to this. I was uh, with Isilon, right uh, another company bought by EMC. A group of us kind of left that and said, hey, let's go on and do the next best thing. Uh, also spent some time at NetApp. And okay. even before that, I mean, I guess dating myself a little bit, going back into the Silicon Graphics days where we spent ah. a lot of time doing high-performance compute and high-performance graphics where I specialized in storage there too. A lot of it third-party. Just down the road from us here, I think, right? Right. That's Just right. In, in yep. Mountain View. That's exactly yeah. it. We're all those of us with our hairlines are all kind of dating ourselves. Yes, yeah, the Computer <laughs> History Museum now, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it is a Computer History Museum. Awesome. Well, now you're heading up VP of Product Management at Ignea Systems. You guys are located in uh, Seattle, Washington. Correct. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Send send. We'll send them where the sun never shines. That's right. right. I, Seattle, I call it, Washington. Uh, cloud Central. Not only is it cloudy, <laughs> but we have all the major public cloud providers up there too. You do. There is a lot of cloud yeah. going on in clouds in the sky. So what what are you guys up to? Tell me just at a baseline, you, you said a bunch of you left EMC and yes. kind of had this vision and, and maybe idea um, that created Igneous Systems. What's your strategy? What are you guys sure. all about? So let, let me just give you some of the trends that were going on and as to why we left and what we were looking to yeah, go yeah. do. One was, uh, you know, just just leaving Isilon and, and leaving from the acquisition of EMC. Um, what we just saw was like there was machine generated data just growing like crazy. Like it, it didn't seem like it was going to stop anytime soon. And and being in Seattle, you know, we knew that there was the next thing that we need to come around. How do I deal with this unstructured data because it just keeps growing? Um, additionally, because we're in Seattle and we see all the players that are out there that are dealing with cloud, it was kind of a question of is like, well, how do you deliver the cloud to customers? Like right. not not actually like make them come to you, but how do you bring it to them? Um, and so it was both from a software perspective and an infrastructure perspective. And so so those are the kind of two ways that we thought about starting. Like, what, what are we going to go do? To, why are we going to go deal with, you know, unstructured data? How do people think about managing unstructured data? How do we think about delivering this all as a service? And that's what got us started. And so we, we have a, a vision overall. Like, our vision is unstructured data management. And it has to do with the volume, the density, the number of places that it gets generated and, and we really align ourselves to four kind of pillars okay. of unstructured data management. And so, like, you look at these pillars and there's, like, the discovery of it, right? Where does this data live? How do I find it? The second thing is, is how do I classify it? Like, what are the things that you need to talk about when you look at that data? Whether it's, like, the metadata itself or you can even get more advanced in classification and get very specific about what type of data, who generated it, what machines generated it. Beyond tagging, those kinds of things. Beyond right? tagging, more yeah. More than that, right. The, the third thing you talk about is movement of data. Like, data never seems to be where you need it to be, right? Like, it it comes off machines, it lands somewhere, you want to go move it somewhere else to do some processing, you want to bring it back to something else for some efficiency or optimization, and then you want to store it somewhere else for long-term durable purposes. And so, how do you actually facilitate that? That is a tough challenge to go do when you're facing billions of files and petabytes of data. For sure, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last thing is just what level of protection do I have on that data? Like, how do I know it's safe? 
How do I go out and I go say, hey, this data, you know, it needs to be protected. It's super important. It's the the lifeblood of the company. This other stuff, it's like scratch stuff. I, I don't need to protect that. That can just live where it lives and so varying, life goes varying on. varying levels of protection and security? Is that what you're talking about there? Mostly around kind of protection as a whole. So so those, let's just say those are our tenants. Right, like, and there's, right. there's a long roadmap that aligns to those four things. Okay. okay. So let's talk about more of like, what do we do? So you're you're going, wow, those yeah, are really cool. Okay. They're kind of abstract. No, those are lofty, wonderful there's, things. There's lofty goals. There's a great vision you slide beyond offer that. something to us, right? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so and so really what we we look at from a product perspective, like how do we demonstrate this today? And the way that we demonstrate this is around really two use cases. One of the use cases is really around just data protection on unstructured data. And so that use case is, hey, it lives on something. I need to go create a second copy of it or a third copy of it in the cloud. I need to be able to index all that data, the billions of files that get generated. I need to be able to move it from source to destination, like whether it's on us or in the cloud. I need to make sure it's it's protected. I need to keep repeating that motion over and over again and being able to find change data on these systems. Um, the second piece that we talk about is more of like a content management store. And so, you know, there's the un, there's the structured side of content management, which people talk about like Documentum. There's the, yeah. you know, those kinds of, kind of, of applications. Yeah, that's out there. I'm really talking about, look, I've got petabytes of image data. I have petabytes of machine generated data. How do I actually store this in a really efficient way? And be able to move and recall that data based on tags or based on characteristics of that data so that I can go process it. Sort of putting some intelligence into all the unknown that's out there a little bit, right? Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. So one of our one of our early kind of talks was we believe the world was evolving into this hot edge cold core. Okay. Where you store petabytes of data, but you only process on terabytes of data. So how do I facilitate that movement of Moving data in the terabyte form to where it needs to be processed, but still maintaining the whole library of all that data um, for recall as needed. Okay, okay. How how were some of these things done previously? I mean, you compare to, you know, what your vision is and what you're executing on. What are you replacing, or why is it so efficient now? Yeah, um, you know, we talk about replacing various things out there. So on the data protection side. Uh, things like Veritas and Commvault, they're just getting old. Like they're built around in the unstructured world of managing NDMP, which in a modern data protection world, you, you, nobody wants to implement NDMP anymore. Nobody wants to go stand up tape systems. People people look at that and go, wow, that just requires a lot of infrastructure management to go yeah. do those things. It doesn't scale like what data sets look like today. And so that's one movement that we look at. The second thing is, is we tend to see in the world of unstructured data that you know, there are various tiers that perform various functions. And so when you talk about moving data around for processing, sort of those hot edge, cold core types of architectures, um, you know, vendor specific replication sort of boxes you into one vendor. Mm -hmm. and, and now you're in a world where, oh, if I want, you know, the, the primary and the secondary, I only have one choice. Well, that's kind of a limiting factor for people in matching their applications to the, the performance that they need to get to generate time to results. 
And so like this is a good case where pure Flashblade, like you come in with pure Flashblade and, and people want to go run their new HPC workloads because it's really fast. It scales out. It handles Parallel, terabytes of data. Stuff, yeah. I can go yeah. super wide across mm-hmm. this infrastructure. Well, if I had sort of a legacy infrastructure, how do I actually get that data there? How do I actually take data from somewhere else and move it there? Because those silos kind of prevent you from um, picking where your data can go. And we can help out with that. We can, we can go help you move that data from tier to tier. Okay. What are, what are some key verticals industries that you guys look at? What are some, some use cases where you're gaining traction? Um, and particularly with that sort of flash blade plus your igneous solution? Yeah, great questions. Because, uh, you know, you tend to look at it and go, uh, data is generated by machines tend to be in specific verticals. Yeah, so yeah. Um, obviously, in life sciences, okay. you know, you have things like electron microscopes and you have genomic sequencers. You see it in manufacturing where there's just a lot of um, telemetry data that comes off of systems as they as they generate a pipeline or generate a workflow. Uh, we see it in media entertainment where just the artifacts of a movie as they exist from creation to archive. Oh, um, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's a life cycle. Things, of, right? There is, yeah. There's a life cycle to a movie. Sure. So I use it for a while and then when it gets old, I take it and I move it somewhere else and I free up that space. But you may need to go find it again in the future. You right? may need to yeah. go find that. Yeah, when the, the the next version or the sequel comes out, I got to yeah, bring all right. that stuff back. That's right. right, version two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see it also in finance, um, especially in like the the proprietary traders. Out. Some of the high performance trading things. Yeah, that would seem to make a lot of sense. It's a lot yeah. of back testing, a lot of algorithmic trading, and so in those spaces, they just generate tons and tons of data. So those are some examples of okay. the use cases that we see out there, the industry verticals that we see out there. And then you mentioned the Flashblade and and kind of that relationship. I mean, obviously, I'm interested in understanding how you view view Pure and yeah. Flashblade and how that works for you with that kind of multi tiered approach to going out to some of these industries. How do we partner together? You bet. And and just first thing, like super excited to work with with Pure and the Flashblade ah, team. Awesome. awesome. Like uh, you it's know, great team. it it just uh, uh, we are probably heading our vision in terms of this hot edge, cold core kind of of movement. And uh, when when the Flashblade was being released, we spent some time talking to the team here about what the capabilities were, what the use cases were, and they lined up very nicely in the industries and segments we were working on. And so uh, there's two motions that we deal with. There's okay. the, um, I'm going to go in and take an existing pipeline and just make it really fast, right? So talk about time two. And and the pure flash play can go in in like an EDA space where they do chip design. Yep. And they can go in and they can go replace whatever was there and they can help do simulation and analysis on chips and just make it really go fast. So you can start, you know, consolidating, you know, tiers and tiers of infrastructure. You can get faster time to results. New design cycles. New design cycles. Faster, all that stuff, right? More yeah. chips at right. a time, right? Right. Yep. right? Yep. Um, software builds, accelerating software builds in these environments. Uh, in the enterprise, right, there's still this, this question of, is, well, how do I protect that data then, right? Because this is important data to us. I need to be able to go... Uh, Make sure that I have a second copy of that data somewhere else. And so in, in the use cases there, we spend time doing data protection. And so we'll go and, and say, hey, we're going to protect the data on the pure flash blade for 90 days. And we can do really crazy things like do uh, churn through billions of files per night on a pure flash blade. Find the changes that exist. You know, do that you know, infrastructure management piece where we go take a snapshot. We go set permissions. We make it drop dead simple 
to enable data protection at a really uh, effective cost point for these workflows. I was going to say, you're, you're, I mean, these are really complicated things that you're doing, but it sounds like you're doing them at an efficiency level that makes it very advantageous and attractive. Absolutely. Like, I mean, the way that we uh, really focused on our architecture was uh, thinking about how you scan data as fast as possible, mm -hmm. thinking about how you index billions of files, and thinking about how you move data. So can I keep pipes full, leverage the infrastructure that we have. And so that's been a really great partnership with Pure and the teams that have been going out and going after all these high performance workflows. The second one tends to be a little bit more around new pipelines. So in the new pipeline world, there's a lot of AI and ML out there. Yeah. And so there's the, these are all a greenfield today. Like everybody's asking the question, how do I stand up an AI ML pipeline? And this is, this is in that hot edge cold core. I have petabytes of data but I only process terabytes at a time. And so pure with the RE infrastructure, right? Great, great fit to go do that machine learning, high performance infrastructure. Well, what, what's your data set size? Yeah. Are you starting with seven petabytes or are you starting with a couple terabytes? Well, it turns out a lot of people start with petabytes yep. and pull in terabytes at a time as they go train their data. Different chunks. Different yeah. chunks. Yeah. And yeah. so we help facilitate and store the petabytes and then simplify the movement. So think of like I'm staging in a pipeline and bringing up terabyte chunks up to pure the flash blade so that they can go process those and chunks. And those would be the hot ones. The hot those ones would be the hot ones. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. Okay. So you could say it's like accelerating life sciences or accelerating yeah. sciences. Yeah. No, I love that. And just a, just a blatant plug, because I always like the challenge of doing kind of yeah. live reads on these things. I'm not sure if by the time we publish that we'll, uh, that we'll, we'll have this one, but I know we're doing an AI workshop uh, at uh, your location next week. We I are. Think, on the uh, 18th of September. So if we get this published by then, otherwise go to purestorage.com slash events and uh, you can find out more about it after the fact uh, or you can go to your website. And then I think additionally, you have another event in a couple of weeks where you're doing, uh, it's called a data workflow forum, right? Correct. Accelerating yes. diagnostic workflows. That's a mouthful. <laughs> but effectively, I think this is going on in, uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and talking uh, some great examples from uh, the Broad Institute, New York Genome Center, and then Page AI, which, which is some, one of the areas I want to talk to you about next. But sure. that event uh, is coming up here in a couple weeks as well, Thursday, September 20th. And so anybody listening that's interested, that's geographically located in those areas, um, go check those out. And, and the, the uh, Cambridge one, will have a special speaker there, Chris Dwan, who was from the Broad. And so he can talk about a lot of the life sciences workflows. Oh, very cool. And so in life sciences, there's, there's, there's two pieces there. There's the, I have an existing uh, body of work that I do analysis. I do some sort of research on data and how do I accelerate that? And a lot of that workflow is HPC driven. Okay. And then because of, you know, AI and ML and its importance, you know, there's a whole new pipelines that are coming on board where they're doing things like cancer research or cancer detection. And that's where, um, People are, are struggling because I have all this data. I got to continue to maintain what I'm doing. And I have all these new things going on. So the talks are really aimed at how do I help accelerate what you're doing today, whether that's taking a genomics pipeline and making it go faster. Uh, how am I enabling kind of a hybrid cloud view between services that live on premises versus services that live in the cloud? Right. And then how do I stand up a new pipeline on top of that around AI and ML? And I think, you know, in reading up on this a little bit in preparation, I think it, it, it presented an interesting challenge in that 
you know, cancer research has been something that's been going on for ever a long time. Yeah, yeah, right. right? Which means there's lots of data, some of it probably very old. And I would imagine over time, there's been a number of manual methods used to try to deal with, you know, all the data that's been created. And yet now you have to bring in some type of new pipeline and add on top of that. That That's correct. So like page, page.ia is a good example of right. this new type of pipeline out there. Um, great, uh, interesting company. Go, go look at their website. Dr. Thomas Fuchs is the founder of this. And, and, uh, He's a spin-out from Memorial Sloan Kettering Institute, and so they've been doing cancer research for a very long time. Um, the main thing there is, is okay, so I have images of cancer research, right? And, and I've done this forever where I go and take you know a slide and I capture it digitally, and then I start to classify that data. Like this is colon cancer, or this is breast cancer, or this is brain so adding cancer. adding tags that we were talking about A- earlier. Adding you know, tags, some, some right? Some type of descriptive data around what that is. Yeah. And diagnosis is always been subject to the doctor interpreting things, mm-hmm. right? And, and what AIML offers in here is the ability to take large amounts of data and develop a reference set there. And so it, it gets out of the hands of the individual you know, physician and turns it into a machine learning event so that you, instead of having you know, a doctor with an experience of a couple years or 10 years, you have the collective works of everybody that's ever gone through this type of uh, scenario, given their information up, processed through hundreds of thousands of patients, and you now have a diagnosis which is much tighter to the history and the experiences that machine learning can generate. So that's the overall goal for what they're trying to do. And so they're taking uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering's uh, image data of all their cancer cells, and they're, they're bringing it in and starting to process against that, develop their algorithms to say, like, this is, this is colon cancer, and this is what colon cancer looks like. Um, here's the diagnosis and the treatments that have gone with that. So that in the future, somebody just goes and says, hey, this is a tissue sample of colon cancer, and it will tell you, like, what type of can- colon cancer it is, What's the prescribed treatment and get a better accuracy than rate on the treatment of this mm. as you go along? Right. Interesting. That reminds me of a conversation I had a couple of years ago with a university professor. I was doing a, a training around this subject down in, down in Australia. Yeah. And uh, I, I think this professor was one of the universities down there. And he talked about he was starting to work with uh, one, of the, one of the governments of one of the large countries in, in Asia where they were going to hand over 500,000 patient records. Yeah, that's right? exactly and have it. them just pull those in and sift through those and then apply AIML to it so that when you do diagnosis of, you know, a disease or sickness, illness, whatever, that you can get to what that is much more quickly, which is, I guess, what we're talking about with the page, the page.ai here is compared to, you know, years past where you just don't have the technology to go through these things as quickly. Now you're looking at, you know, not instantaneous, but much more rapid diagnosis or comparison or results when they eventually get you know this project kind of working. That's exactly it, right? It's it's using that body of work, and so the workflow is you know pay, uh, MSKCC is providing them with all this image data that's been stripped of all all personal information, okay. and so it's people that just go in and say I opt into research, and then they strip people's names off of it. They strip any identifying characteristics of that data, other than what type of cancer, what's the diagnosis, what's the prescribed treatment associated with that data. And so that data is then fed over to PAGE in a, a uh, we'll call it non-PII form, yeah, right? Yeah. And so you have two components. You have the images themselves, 
And then you have the metadata about the images that come over. And so uh, this is something like 10,000 images per week are being fed over to them. Right. So, you know, yeah. several, you so know, terabytes growing, per day kind of coming through. pipeline, right? It description is. that you've talked about in addition to, the, the, you know, this older data. And so hence the solution we articulated earlier. Yeah. Right, where Pure plays with Flashblade and Igneous plays with their you know, their cloud archiving solution is, is it just a magical fit. Right? Yeah, that's exactly it. So this is landing on Igneous as that archiving tier, that big content tier. And then Page will run uh, through uh, and classify then that data and say like, oh, this is colon cancer with this stain type, with this cell type, with this diagnos diagnostic associated with it. And then the part that kind of helped everything here was there was a quote early on, which was, you know, you guys are going to help me do science, not write Python scripts. And that that's the magical part of this is that, you know, Igneous is providing the data movement, the fast data movement. And so when when a scientist says, a PI says, hey, I need all the cancer cells that are, are colon cancer, they call a simple API. Igneous facilitates the movement of all that data up to the pure flash blade. And then they can start working and tweaking their algorithms at that point. And so you get a very high-performance workflow into their DGX clusters okay. to do machine learning. And then they can just keep repeating that over and over again. So they don't have to spend time shuttling data around, moving data around themselves, waiting for data. It's all just a single you know, integrated pipeline together. Or sit around just writing code and messing around with, yeah, with stuff. Anybody well, that's moved data with, with Python knows that this is not a high-performance yeah, thing to go do. Yeah, well, no, I, I know, and, you know, sometimes in marketing ease, we always talk about, you know, stop dealing with day-to-day -day things and focus on the strategic. Exactly. But then you always kind of scratch your head for examples of what that is, and this is an absolutely tangible example of stop messing around with sort of keeping the lights on day-to-day -day stuff. Go focus on the strategic. Go yeah. focus on solving the problem. You know, fi figuring out the, the the issues with the cancer and matching up the data versus having people do scripting in a back room. That's Very exactly cool it. Stuff. Like building an orchestration pipeline is is where this ends up, and doing a lot of really interesting and cool things with data and data movement, and then processing of data is is the goal of this whole project. So that you can focus on the science. Look, you know, Page is not a big company. They're yeah. never going to be a big yeah. company. They're going to be mostly science driven. They're not going to hire a bunch of people to go out and go write Python scripts to go do stuff. Uh, do you see the orchestration pipeline thing gaining in popularity across? I mean, we talked about life sciences and media and entertainment and EDA. Yeah. And, and it seems every day I'm reading more and more just about kind of data pipelining and creating uh, sort of this hub, if you will, for, for, for data. Is that, I mean, the, I want to call it maybe the wave of the future. It sounds like it's already here. But is that kind of the way of the future? Is that where everything's going to go to this sort of big hub model? Uh, I'll, I'll share a little anecdote. I was in meeting with the CIO of a very large healthcare company, and that's usually an interesting place to start a meeting oh, out, for sure. right? It doesn't happen very often, <laughs> right. right? Especially for them to take the first call yeah. in and say, hey, we're in town, yeah. you know, yeah. very large research organization. Uh, in half an hour of describing automating a pipeline, the meeting stopped. And the CIO said, yep, you hit every problem we have on the head. We're going to go talk now kind of the next level down with all the individual groups. You know, just data is getting too big today to leave on any single piece of infrastructure. It really is about the orchestration and workflow associated with moving data around. And it's the folks who are really thinking about how do I, how do I create that workflow? How do I orchestrate that workflow? How do I automate that workflow 
are the ones that tend to gravitate towards pure and igneous because they're already seeing these problems exist. It's the time to and the content repository with movement built in. It is, you know, adding in cloud into that because that's a great way to store long-term copies. That's a great way to do burstability every once in a while. And so those are the people we're having these these conversations about pipelines around. Um, it's the M&E folks who have always had a pipeline in building a movie and are looking at what is that next thing that I need to do? Because you know what? They're, they're not asking me to do one movie. They're asking me to do three. Yeah. So, so how do I do three movies? It's in manufacturing now where there's sensors all up and down their manufacturing everywhere, line, everywhere. right? Yeah. And yeah. what do I do here? And there's cameras all up and down their manufacturing so the lines and now. And the log data that are coming in, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so like all of this is about you know content capture analysis. And so how do I do that at scale? How do I manage that at scale? And so it's it's just coming. The data keeps coming. It doesn't stop. It It gets new forms and... And pipelines are becoming very important to that that process. That's awesome. I think that's a great way to uh, summarize. I, I love how you f- we'll finish it on that because I think that was a great closing thought. Just to just to give that uh, insight around around pipelines and the prevalence of those right now. Um, for folks that are interested in learning more about Igneous and your solutions, where should they go? I always give people an opportunity to yeah. kind of plug their website and plug other other useful pieces of information. Yeah, great place to go is igneous, I-G-N-E-O-U-S dot I-O. Um, we often get confused with ingenious. So if you spell it that <laughs> way, you'll end up somewhere else. But it is igneous like the rock, like I, the volcanic rock. Every time rock. I do a search on you, it comes up igneous and then the autofill does rock. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, igneous.io or igneousystems.com is a great place to start. Okay, awesome. And I, I checked your websites. Uh, very visually pleasing and very descriptive and informative about the service. So uh, fantastic to see. Hey, thanks for making the trip in to see us today. Thank you, Rob. Really thanks for inviting it. me. Yeah, thanks. Well, and thanks everybody else out there for uh, listening, for subscribing. Tell a colleague. We appreciate uh, the time you take uh, to invest with us, whether you're uh, driving in a car or whatever you're doing out there when you're listening. But with that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Christian Smith. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Some Something might be gaining on you. Thanks. Take care. Yep.